In the last 10 years, our field has gone from an unknown specialty to a household name. This brings unprecedented opportunities, but we need to rise up to meet them and give our patients the care that they deserve. In order to help others get better, we need to be better. This podcast will help you to become more confident with your patients, more successful in your practice or business, and a leader in pelvic health. And we're gonna have some fun along the way. Join us as we rise together. We're Jesse and Nicole Cozine, founders of Pelvic Sanity Physical Therapy and the creators of the Pelvic PT Huddle. And this is Pelvic PT Rising. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Pelvic PT Rising Podcast with Jesse and Nicole Cozine. Hey Nicole. Hello. All right, well we are rounding into December. We are closing out 2020 and we have some stuff we are wanting to talk about. Totally. Today, we are going to talk about what is your pelvic PT ethos. And you guys might have heard me talking about this a little bit over really the last year in roundabout ways. I was shocked we haven't done a podcast on this before. I yeah. had to like look back at our things. I was like, wait, we've done 70 episodes and we've not talked about like probably your like most famous idea. Yeah, but I feel like this is one of the things that we do talk about it a ton just not in this sort of context, but now we're going to introduce to you guys the pelvic PT ethos. And I want to know what is yours. And this is where we always talk about PTs having to have an opinion. We have to have an opinion, you guys. Like seriously, the more that we are sort of like dabbling in all of these different types of theories and stuff like that, the worse off it's going to be for our profession. And it is totally okay to have varying degrees of different types of ethos. I mean, there's not one way to treat a patient well, but there are some tenets in a philosophical sort of manner that I personally believe are necessary. So there's a couple of different things, right? Where we're going to go over like, what are some of the things that are for me, like non-negotiable? And then what are some other things that are, okay, well, this is my opinion. I'm sure you could do it a certain way. And then I still believe that my way of doing it is the best, you know, and we should all feel like that because if we're providing care that we don't feel is like the best care we should, could be possibly giving to a patient, then we need to find another freaking job. The point being is that it is okay to have a freaking opinion on certain things. And this is some of the areas we're going to go over, some of the ways that we can sort of help you prompt prompt you to think about, like, what do I think about that? Stepping back, so what was the genesis of pelvic PT ethos? I know that was when we were going through and doing, I was trying to extract all this information from your head when we were doing the first round of the Pelvic PT Essentials course, but this is the very first thing that you talk about in Essentials. It's actually the first thing we talk about in our business mentoring, vision and values. It's that important to get clear on what you actually, this is, Pelvic PT ethos is basically asking the question, what do you believe about Pelvic PT and the best way that Pelvic PT should be practiced? Right. So when I was creating Pelvic PT Essentials, there was a lot of tactical information, like how to best organize your evaluation and how to best organize your treatment approach and how to figure out how to prognosticate better and all the things that I wish that I would have known after I would have taken some of the foundational Herman and Wallace or APTA, whatever one to do courses. Cause it was like, how do I actually think about this? But when I was trying to come up with a framework for that, 
I was kind of like, well, where people end up choosing to go down their treatment path kind of depends on what they actually believe is the best for the patient. And so when I took a step back and I was like, kind of deconstructed my treatments in the ways that I was figuring things out and the what I was deciding to treat in each treatment session in a plan of care, it was all based in some foundational principles that I had about like what we should all be looking at. One just quick example, right, is that you know, I don't just look at the pelvic floor. I am doing an evaluation head to toe, neck, all the way down to the foot position. So if we're doing that, then there's a couple of different things that also are really important to me, meaning treatment time and how you're synthesizing that information and how you're integrating that with the objective information you find in your internal assessment too, which I always do. And then, so it kind of came down to taking a step back from deconstructing my own treatment sessions to be like, oh, I'm doing this in a certain way because I really believe this is the best way to evaluate and treat a patient. And that's a really important point I think you brought up is that you were really deliberate. And so we were able to really deconstruct from what you do, what your ethos is. And I think a lot of people have a situation, whether it's because they're not feeling confident in what they have been taught, whether it's because they don't have enough time with patients and they're feeling rushed, or because they haven't had mentorship. Or you just don't have that personality, right? But, but where you're actually, you're, the way that you're treating, it's almost like you fell into your treatment techniques. Like, oh, I went to this course and now I treat like this. Or I happen to do two visceral courses, mm. so now I do all visceral stuff. Even though you might not think that visceral is the best way to treat. It's like we just want people to actually be able to examine like the unexamined life is not worth living. Like the unexamined pelvic PT ethos is not worth treating because like, is that a deliberate choice? Is what you're doing on a day-to-day basis consistent with what you really deep down believe? Right. Or are you just plug and chugging from what you learned, right? And that's how we all have to start a little bit of like, if you don't know any better than what you learn exactly in Herman and Wallace one or with biofeedback course or whatever you're taking, like, well, that must be the way. But I think I was lucky in that I had orthopedic mentors. I had pelvic floor mentors really early on in my career. And I was forced to have to really evaluate What is really going to be best for this patient? Because I was treating, I was thrown into, you guys know a little bit of my story, but I was thrown into treating really, really, really complex interstitial cystitis and some vulvodynia patients really early on in my career, like pretty much day one from when I took Herman Wallace one. So I was forced to have to really figure out like, what am I actually going to do for this person? And what, then what do I actually think about that? Because I didn't have anybody else to bounce any ideas off of or really learn from at that point. And if you don't have the mentorship or you don't have that, it, it was just kind of astounding to me that, you know, you could be going for five or 10 years and never actually stop and think about what do I really believe? Yeah. And I think it's a really important thing. And this is why we're doing this podcast this way. This is why the Pelvic PT Essentials course is structured the way that it is. I mean, this is the first module essentially 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 in it is figuring out like what do you believe because this is going to drive not only is this going to drive your evaluation and your treatment and what you choose to do and what you choose to defer to a next visit because you, you have a hierarchy of things that you really believe 
But then also from a little bit more of a macro level, it's going to also drive the decisions of where you work. If you choose to start your own place, how happy you are at your job. Because I think the biggest thing here too is that if, if you're finding that you're really frustrated with your job, if it's not necessarily your boss, you know, or some communication issue, it might be because you're at odds from what deep down you believe patient care should be and strength things outside of your control that are forcing you to work outside of what you really believe pelvic health should be. That term cognitive dissonance comes up again with that, right? Where you have this idea of how you believe pelvic PT should be practiced. And then you come up against the limitation of 30 minute treatment sessions or having to discharge after eight or 12 visits because of insurance. And if you're somebody who believes in a long-term relationship with patients or more of a wellness approach or are working with somebody for whom that's not appropriate, that creates like an internal conflict, which is going to make you unhappy whether or not you can articulate that that's exactly what's happening. But I want to step back, go to the 10,000 foot view, and then we can kind of narrow in on exactly what we're talking about because it's all well and good to start talking about, oh, oh, public PT ethos. You just need to understand what it is that you believe, <laughs> right? But if our mission here at Public PT Rising and Public Sanity has always been, this is kind of audacious, but to improve pelvic health care for all people. That's what we want to do. And we really believe that more options are going to give better care, that there's not just one right way to be a pelvic PT and that patients are going to go and work with the people that they resonate with and that work best for them. So it's, it's a good thing to have somebody who is at more exercise-based over here or yoga-based over here or more manual over here or pain science over here. That's just going to improve the overall field. So it's not about, there's not a right pelvic PT ethos. I'm sure Nicole would say there's a couple wrong ones, <laughs> but right. there's not a right way to be a pelvic PT, but it, it does mean that you have to think about this. And I think this is one of the coolest things about the essentials course is when everybody starts we actually have them go through the eight different dimensions of pelvic PT ethos. Are you more on this side or on this side? And seeing people share that in our Facebook group for that, that class and talk about it. It's that my, was really cool. It's my favorite part of the whole thing where people are realizing that people they know and respect and know are good therapists have very different ideas about what the best way to provide care is. And it's awesome to see and debate and talk about. Totally. I mean, and that that is one of my favorite parts of pelvic PT essentials. And, and I think that the other thing too, is that this, you know, I always talk about like holding two competing beliefs, right? Is that we have to believe on one hand and know that there is no one way to treat patients, but then by working through your ethos, you also then get more, a little bit more solidified in what you really believe to be the quote unquote right way. And so I think the key there is to always have a bridge between those two equally competing ideas. You're right. That is an interesting conundrum there because at one point you're asking people to be really passionate and really believe strongly in the way that they are treating patients. And then at the same time to also acknowledge that there are other people who are doing a great job with patients who are treating in a completely different way, but still be passionate about what you believe and how, and how you're you're helping patients the way that you want to. Right. And then, you know, we can all, this bleeds into a little bit of like the evidence-based discussion talks about like, 
well, then what does the evidence say? But the evidence can't say anything unless we all have opinions and are treating different ways. And then what will end up happening is that we come along and then we test two different ways of doing something and maybe come to some sort of consensus, albeit with flawed research, I'm sure. But at least then we have to start with us thinking a certain way, right? It's the whole premise of the scientific method. You have a hypothesis, you have an opinion, and you go and you test it. But if everybody is just doing the same stuff in the same middle of the road, don't want to offend anybody, don't want to go too far one way or too far another, you're never going to be making progress. It's people who are pushing the bounds because they believe in something totally. that pushes the field forward, even if it ends up being not the right answer. Totally. Yeah, that's like a huge piece of it, right? But... As we go through, so like a couple of examples of these. So one of the dimensions here uh, in the pelvic PT ethos that you go through is, do you believe in using a biofeedback machine or not? Right. And, you know, in, in essentials, we, we define these continuums and we do define it as a continuum, right? There's not, but I want people to think about it in terms of what are the extremes of each of these, right? In this case, right, biofeedback versus no biofeedback. If you were told that you had to use a biofeedback machine for the majority of the patient time, which would be an extreme, right? No one, hopefully nobody does that, although I do know that some people do. But if you had to, if you couldn't use any other thing, do you still feel like you would be giving great ther- great care? On the flip side of that, if you someone said you are absolutely unable to use biofeedback at all, never, ever, ever, it is banned from the universe, which in my opinion would be kind yeah, of a good thing. That would be that would be a good indication that Nicole had taken over the universe. <laughs> but there if the be- only thing that changed was that biofeedback machines disappeared tomorrow, you guys know <laughs> that like Nicole struck a deal with God. Okay. Right. So, but right, but I have reasons for that, right? And I don't think that if you use biofeedback, I get like there. There is value in talking about the places where it is appropriate and not appropriate for treatment. But I'm talking about actually thinking from an ethos perspective, if you were given only 10 minutes in a treatment session, what would be the best use of that time? You could be a person that says like, yes, I would want to know that biofeedback reading and all the things. And then we can have a discussion about how it's not accurate and all the things, but but you can still have that. You have to have an opinion and you should be able to defend your opinion. You should be able to have things backing your treatment philosophy up and stuff like that. Right. So, but that's a philosophical ethos difference that we can all have. And it's a worthy conversation in our field to have this. Absolutely. And, you know, another really great one is how much you focus on internal treatment versus external treatment. Right. And so, you know, it's actually really funny that mo- when a lot of people, you know, when they first are filling out the form, because I, I give the essentials, the public PT ethos form, and I basically say just like fill this out almost no context. And most people are like, well, you know, kind of want to be in the middle, don't really know. You know, I really do think external is important, but I also think internal is important. So therefore you're right in the middle. But again, if you think philosophically about what makes us different and unique in our specialty, if you could only do one of those two things, if you were, someone told you, you cannot assess the pelvic floor at all. Could you still treat that patient as good is if you were said that you're not allowed to, you know? So yeah, what where, do you, do you where do you fall on, fall that, on continuum? that? And that's a great thing to think about. 
And another one that's not actually part of the ethos itself, the, the way that we teach it, but that's part of like your overall ethos is just treatment time. Can you, this was actually the foundation of pelvic sanity. And this is the cool thing about getting clear on your vision and your values and what you believe and why it's the first thing that we always talk about with people is because once you're clear on this, everything else becomes easier. So for example, when we were starting pelvic sanity, as everybody else who out there who has started their own thing, we had a lot of choices about whether we wanted to be cash-based, whether we wanted to be insurance-based, whether we wanted to hybrid. do out of network and hybrid and bill insurance for people. And the thing that we came back to, it ended up being an easy decision because Nicole was clear on her ethos is that she wanted and needed to be able to see each patient for at least a full hour every time we did. And we look at insurance reimbursement rates in California. That is not enough to actually run a business if you're going to treat people for a full hour. So it became really clear, like we cannot be an insurance-based practice. And it, that decision was just made because you were clear on your ethos from the beginning. And if you're not, you go back and forth on, well, it's so much easier to get patients if you're insurance-based and maybe I could do like a 35-minute thing or a 45-minute thing. And for us, it, that, that conversation was like 15 seconds. Like, hey, Nicole, you want to see people for half an hour? Uh, <laughs> no. Okay. Like, that's not happening. Like, I cool. will literally, like, not be a PT anymore if that has to happen. Perfect. So, it's like, now we're, we know that. That dictates everything else that we're doing. So, that's why these vision and values are so important. And, and then it, right, it also makes it really, really easy when someone's like, oh, my gosh, why don't you take it? Everyone's always like, oh, how do you answer the question? Do you take my insurance? And it's like, or why don't you take insurance? And it's like... Uh, because we want to see people for an hour and like, that's what we do here. And we even can see people for two hours. Cause now all of a sudden we're not dictated by what your insurance says you need. We can tell you what you need. Yeah. We've seen some of our out of town people for four hours. And it's just like, it's like, okay, cool. like, we'll spend some time working answer, on all this stuff. The answer is just so much easier when you're really clear with what you believe. Now on the flip side of that, if you are, or have a bleeding heart and you just feel like pelvic PT, no matter what your, you know, financial status is, you need to, to provide, you know, care to somebody that cannot financially afford it, then cool. Then you need to find a clinic that has, or a hospital-based system that has pro bono services, that has all of that stuff, because that's what you believe. And that is great, but there are options for people and it is okay to not have to acquiesce to every single patient population and thing that you, you have. You mentioned patient population. And I think that's another really big part of the ethos is once you're clear about who you like working with, what you like doing, what you believe, you end up attracting the right kind of people for your practice. It's not just everybody who calls is appropriate to come in. If you really love working, a mentorship application call that was awesome with somebody who was, was saying, um, oh, Nicole's like, oh, do you like working with shoulders? And she's like, yeah, if it's a postnatal mom. Like that person was the clearest we've yeah, seen on like, cool. I want to work with recently postnatal moms on anything right on so anything. that that in that case it's not just pelvic floor but wants to support a postnatal mom in whatever using your physical therapy tool which is, is awesome which is really when, you're, great. when you're that clear now everything becomes clear your website becomes clear your marketing materials become clear 
who you hire becomes clear. This is a huge thing. We talk about this a lot in our group when we start to hire and we actually use the ethos in our hiring because like once you're clear on that stuff, everything else becomes easier. So, you know, for her, it's like, great. If that doesn't, if it's not bringing in that kind of patient, she knows exactly who she's saying no to. And I can guarantee with somebody like that, that almost everybody who comes in the door is going to be somebody that she wants to work with. Same thing with us. It's pretty rare for us to get just a total, you know, I want to say it, like a dud of a patient. <laughs> right. You know, because... Or that we, someone isn't super excited to be there because we've been clear with our marketing. We've been clear with our ethos. And so the person that is going to look at our website and come and decide to call our office and book an appointment and pay whatever we're charging. And that, that person is going to be stoked to be coming because they, there are choices and they probably looked at the hospital based system where they can't find the website. And, you know, they call them, they sat on hold for 45 minutes in order to get picked up and like they call us, somebody answers. And we're just super upfront with that. Now at the front desk, if you don't seem like a good fit, we're happy to refer you on to some place that would be. And I know that's that's a little bit hard when you're first starting off for a lot of people. If you're doing your own thing, it feels like a scarcity thing. But I can promise you when you get clearer on that and you're willing to say no to some people, you're going to be working more and more with the people you want to be working with. You're going to be getting them better outcomes and they're going to be more passionate super fans who are going to be telling everybody about you and public PT. And we are talking about this a little bit in the business standpoint now, but even if you are a staff physical therapist, a place, and you're starting a pelvic floor program, this is where your ethos also has to come through to your boss about who you want to treat and why. And can you work a system that that's going to allow you to hit a ton of your ethos points, you know, and those are the things that you fight for. And then the other things that are a little less important, then you can sort of back down on a little bit, but yeah, at my clinic, really critical. Yeah, exactly. yeah and the, at a hospital based place when they were like, okay, I think we need to go down to, we were at 45 minute treatment sessions, which, you know, was great, but they wanted to go down to 30. And I was like, uh, no, like that's, I'm leaving. If that's the thing, like that's not happening because of all these reasons, right? Because I was very clear even back then with like what I feel like I needed to do the most. And I was treating pelvic pain patients and I was like, there's no way that we can treat a chronic pelvic pain person in 30 minutes. Like that's just ridiculous. That's the quintessential essence of figuring out your pelvic PT ethos. So I hope this has given you guys some things to think about. I hope that you are kind of ruminating right now on the things that you feel really strongly about. And that's a great indicator when you actually start to sit down and take a look inside at what do you feel really strongly about? What do you feel passionate about? What fires you up? What gets you mad? Yeah. What, when are you scrolling through Instagram and you stop on a post and you're just like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe that person is saying that. Like, and why is that? That's, yeah, that's where your that ethos. visceral yeah. reaction is kind of like, ooh, right? When someone's like, oh, Kegels are great. I'm like, oh, that makes me like not for everybody. And like, what is going on? And why are we prescribing them so often? And that's like voluntary contraction. And it's not how the pelvic floor works. And, and like, what does that get you back things. to? That gets you back to a piece of your ethos. The piece of your ethos that Nicole is describing is that we believe in individualized care. Incredibly so. Right, so it's and like, that's frustrating whenever you see any kind of protocol-based stuff thrown out there. It's like, it's, ugh, it's like nails wanna, on a chalkboard. Yeah, so for you guys, what is that? What's nails on a chalkboard? What resonates with you when somebody posts something and you're like, yeah, you want to just like put your little emoji fist on a post? Um, <laughs> that's a you know a good sign they're resonating with your pelvic PT ethos. But I think so often 
that goes just unstated. We don't take the time to really suss out exactly what we believe about that stuff. And I think it's a real disservice because once you get clear on that, your career gets easier. If you're working for somebody else, you understand why you might be frustrated with a place or conversely, why you're really grateful to work in a place that matches your ethos. But if, if there's a, a disconnect there, that's always going to be a hard thing. So I really hope that you guys are able to take something from this podcast and be able to better articulate, even if it's just to yourself, exactly what you believe about how pelvic PT should be practiced. Boom. Yep. Done. <laughs> I, I get to close out a podcast, you guys. This is great. close out the podcast, This Jesse. is a nod to me. Well, as always, please let us know what is essential to you, no pun intended again, uh, when it comes to your pelvic PT ethos. If you want to write Nicole, if you want to post on our Instagram, would love to hear more about what you really value about the field and what are the non-negotiables for you. But as always, let's keep this conversation going. And let's continue to rise. Bye.